Right, well, uh, we're getting a relatively early start, so hopefully I can get us out of here relatively early. I've been trying to talk pastor into starting Wednesday night church at 6 o'clock for years. I can't get him to start at 6. Maybe I can convince him to start at 6.30, because then we'd be, we'd be getting ready to leave right now if we started at 6.30, amen? And uh, maybe I can get him to start at 6.30 someday. But I, Pam and I, we, we tell him every week. We get here at 7.30 in the morning, and you know, we, we, we don't know why the evening crew doesn't come in and take over, so we could go on home. But anyway, that's the way it goes. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, let's open his word tonight, and let's, let's give God some glory and learn some things from him. Amen? Let's all stand together. Look at Romans chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 7 of Romans chapter 6. And uh, we'll read through verse 18, Romans chapter 6, verses 7 through 18. For he, that is de- for, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time we have tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you will quiet our hearts and open our minds, that you will teach us and instruct us that you will help us tonight to, to uh, learn truly how to be servants of God in our hearts. So we ask you to bless this time that we have, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The danger of standing behind a pulpit and preaching is the misconception of people that you think you know what you're talking about. That's one of the, that's one of the hardest things about preaching is making sure that you, 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 you let people know, as I, as I try to do every time I preach, I don't think that I'm perfect here. I don't think that I've arrived at this. What I'm going to talk about tonight, I, I don't stand here and, and supposed to have you believe that I have mastered all of these things and, and I, am a, I am a perfect example. We are imperfect men preaching to imperfect people, and we strive together to please the Lord in what we do. And we grow together and we learn together. 
So tonight we're going to sit down together around the Bible and we're going to look at some things that I hope will make us, each of us, help each of us to understand what it means to be a servant of God. Make me a servant. Last week I preached concerning the foundation of our service to the Lord, uh, and that is the church. In the days of the patriarchs, God worked through the family, the head of the family serving as priest on behalf of the entire family. Then after the exodus, God worked through the temple worship with the Levites, assuming the roles of servants in, in the temple of God. However, after the advent of Christ, God now works through the local church. If you and I will serve God, we will have to serve him through the local church ministries. And that's why last week I took the time to stress the importance of church, why it's important that we commit to church, why it's important that we be in church, why we must have the right priority in church and, and, and put it first and foremost in everything that we do. Now, given this, allow me tonight to make some observations concerning our service to the Lord. So I'm going to share some thoughts with you. And once again, as I, as I share these thoughts, don't, don't think for a moment that I'm standing up here saying, I've mastered this, I'm perfect, and you're not, because I'm not. And uh, I'm, in, I'm standing right here for one reason only. That's because the pastor asked me to do it. And uh, I'm sure hoping he gets back Sunday because uh, I'm going to strap a microphone to his mouth and he's going to preach to us one way or another this Sunday. And so you pray for him. But number one on your sheets, number one, what is a servant? What is a servant? Webster defines a servant as a person employed in the service of another. Now, this is not to be confused with a slave. The definition of a slave is a person who is the property of and wholly subject to another, a person entirely under the domination of some influence or person. Now, at first glance at this, you would say, well, we are slaves because that's it. God owns us and we're completely under his domination. And, and at first glance, that is true. Uh, we are certainly the property of God our Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 23 states, Ye are bought with a price. Uh, be not ye the servants of men. However, I submit to you tonight that God did not intend to make us slaves. He intended to make us servants. Children. Are your children your slaves? Uh, well, I, I, observing most of your children, I'd say it's the other way around. Amen? <laughs> You're their slaves. But... Uh, we don't have children to have slaves, do we? That's a, that's a pretty poor way to staff your, 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 your servants in your home. We don't have children to, 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 to make them slaves. We have children uh, to, to express our love. We have children, and we strive to teach them to be servants. So God didn't intend to make us slaves. Yes, he owns us. Yes, he purchased us. And yes, we are under his control. We're subject to him. But I submit to you that he intended to make us servants and not slaves. Now, it is true that Paul considered himself a prisoner of the Lord. For in Philemon chapter 1 and verse 1, he writes, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Uh, but a prisoner is not a slave. In this, I believe that Paul intends us to understand that he is a captive of the Lord. He is a captive of the love, a captive of grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. On the other hand, 
Paul introduced himself as a servant of the Lord. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, we read Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, we read Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, a servant of God. And you and I tonight are servants of the Lord. Yes, we are purchased by the blood of Christ. That is absolute truth. But we were not purchased to be slaves. We were empowered to be servants. You see, apart from the work of Christ, you and I could not possibly serve God. We would not serve God. Paul discussed that in Romans chapter 6. We read it a moment ago where he stated, uh, ye were servants of sin. And we were servants to the, to, to, to the flesh. We were servants to sin. And the Lord God saved us, redeemed us, adopted us, made us his children. And now he has empowered us to live holy, righteous lives. You can today. You can be a servant of Christ and you can live in righteousness. You do not have to live in sin. So what is a service? Well, a servant is a person... Uh, as we said earlier, employed in the service of another. You and I are servants of the Lord tonight. We're not slaves. Uh, we're, God didn't uh, create a little, a little army of slaves. He, 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 he adopted us. He elected us unto the adoption of, of, of reconciliation. And we are, we are God's children tonight. So that's what we are. We're, we're children and we are servants, as Paul stated. Now, secondly, I want us to consider where can I serve. First of all, we, what is a servant? Secondly, where can I serve? Well, I have a reading I want to read to you here. It's a little lengthy scripture reading, Ephesians chapter 4, and beginning at verse 11. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saint, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we see all these offices, all these, all these tasks, all these jobs that, in which we serve, and they were all for the edifying of the body of Christ, which is the church, for the work of the ministry. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, this whole passage of Scripture is talking about the, the edification of the body of Christ, which is what? The local church. The church is the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago that God works through the local church. And, and that is in, indeed the way that God works today. And as I said, if you will be a servant of God, you must serve him through the local church ministries. Now, I have known people who claim to be servants of the Lord, yet they refuse to be a member of a local New Testament church. Now, is this possible? 
Is it, is it, can this be done? Can you be a servant of the Lord and, and not be a member of the church? Well, I would say that it is possible, and I want you to listen to me carefully now. I would say that it is possible for God to work through individuals who are outside of the church if he so desires. So if someone is not a member of the church and God, God may use that person in some way, if God desires, he can do so. However, it is not possible for you and me to consider ourselves servants of Christ apart from the local church ministries. Now, God can, can, can use whomever God chooses to use, right? He used Pharaoh, he used other men throughout history uh, in the Bible to, to accomplish his task and his will. He used, he used Balaam's donkey. And I won't say what, I, what I've heard, but I won't repeat it, but I think you all know the little, the little adage that's usually thrown out here. But God can use whatever he wants. Jesus, as he, as he entered into the city and everyone was worshiping him and laying palms at his feet, uh, the, the, the Pharisees came and said, Lord, uh, Master, stop these people. And Jesus said, if they were to close their mouths, the stones would begin to worship him. So God can use whatever God wants to use. Let's get that clear right now. But you and I cannot claim, we cannot usurp the right to serve the Lord apart from that which the Lord has designed us to serve in, and that is the local church. So where can I serve? The where is the local church. It is the local church that has been empowered by God to preach and to teach the children of God. It is the local church that has been empowered by God to evangelize the world and to gather from the four corners of the earth the elect. So if I will be a servant of the Lord, I must be a servant of the church. This is why church is so important. This is why church is not something that we do only when we feel like doing it. As I said last week, we don't, we don't add church to our lives. We add our lives to the church. That's the right philosophy. That's the right priority. I don't fit church into my schedule, I build my schedule around the church. So we have to remember that. The where of service is the local church. Uh, I'm all for the soup kitchens, as I mentioned Sunday. I'm all for the, um, the, the youth ministry campgrounds. I'm all for those things. I think they're great. And I, and I think we ought to give of our time and our treasure and our talent to those things as much as we can. But if we absence ourselves from the ministries of the local church, then we cannot claim to be servants of God. Because this is where God works today, through the local church. Now, thirdly, we know what is a servant. Where should we serve? Thirdly, let me ask this question. When should I serve? When should I serve? Well, John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus stated it pretty clearly. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, the, the answer to the question, when should I serve, is now. That's the answer to that question. I, I spoke with our teenagers this morning in chapel. 
And I told our teenagers that the devil wants them to believe that this is a time to have fun and to frolic and to, to, to you know, have your childhood and enjoy yourself and all these things. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He says, oh, wait another day. You can serve God tomorrow. You don't have to serve him today. Just wait a little while. But don't wait till you get older, teens, to serve the Lord. And those of you who are already old like me, what are you waiting for? Retirement? You can join Lino in the back over there. Lino and Jim, they're both retired. James chapter 4 and verse 14, we read, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. You know, James said, we shouldn't walk around saying, Today or tomorrow I will buy and sell. James said, we, sh- we ought to say, if the Lord wills. And you know, I was captured by that years ago. And I've gotten to the point where people will, I'll, I'll leave the building or something, and Mrs. Smith will say, I'll see you tomorrow, and I'll say, Lord willing. Because I don't know if I will or not. But he does. If you're going to serve God, serve him now. And, and I'll, I'll just mention this to the teenagers in this room who are thinking, well, I'll just wait till I get older to serve the Lord. I looked up a statistic, and in 2001, approximately 182,336 teenagers died from nonviolent causes. That's, that's not even counting the ones that were murdered or, or, or raped or, or, or died from violent crime. These are nonviolent deaths, disease and drugs and uh, these types of things. 182,336 teens died. Approximately 59 out of every 1,000 people in the country. Out of one, every 100,000, I'm sorry. 59 out of every 100,000 Americans. So, um, you know, we better not walk around thinking, well, I'll serve God next week. Or I'll wait till I come back from vacation. Or, or uh, you know, I, I want to, eh, I'll, start, I'll start doing things for the Lord after I pay off my house or after I do this or after I do that. Don't sit around waiting for a better time to serve the Lord. Do it now. John 4.35, Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Solomon writes in Proverbs 27.1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Jesus spoke of a night just a moment ago we read in John 9.4. He spoke of a night in which no man can work. We have to be careful because there's a night coming. The night of apathy is coming. In Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 4 through 6, we read again, He sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnants took, of his, took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. The night of apathy is coming. The night of, of, of apathy. People just don't care. You ever notice that now? You notice in our society today how little people really care about anything? The only thing they're worried about is what? That's right. It's my way or the highway. 
looking out for numero uno. That's, that's the philosophy of our society today. All people are worried about is themselves. They're not worried about their brothers. They're not worried about other people. They're just worried about themselves. And, and the night of apathy is coming. But not only that, secondly, the night of apostasy is coming. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Have you ever noticed how big a crowd these prosperity preachers attract? Have you ever noticed that? Joel Olstein, he purchased the Houston Rockets' former stadium. Uh, they built a new stadium, and he purchased their former stadium, a basketball stadium, to hold his church services. And from what I've been told, they have to hold four or five services a day so that they can get everyone in there. So, obviously, drawing a crowd uh, doesn't mean you're doing the right thing, amen? It's amazing how people want to hear lies. They don't want to hear the truth. You preach the truth, and they won't come. You preach the truth, and they'll stay away. You preach, thus saith the Lord, and they're looking for the exit. Because they don't want to hear the truth. They want to be lied to. Paul just wrote, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. The night of apostasy is coming. The night when, when, when men who preach truth from pulpits will be jailed. The, the days are coming. By the way, they were jailed in Europe. And, and the days are coming here in America where they're going to be jailed also. The day will come when a, if a preacher will stand behind his pulpit and, and denounce uh, homosexuality, the ACLU will come storming through the back door with the police and they'll drag him in the, in the, into the jailhouse for, 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 being, uh, for discriminating against the civil rights of other people. The night of apostasy is coming. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the, for the world to totally turn on, on, on Christ for, the, for this nation? But then there's another night, and that's the night of mortality. So we're dealing with the night of apathy, the night of apostasy, and the night of mortality. Hebrews 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Each of us will leave this earth by one of two methods. We will either face our mortality and die, or we will be caught up in the rapture. And those are the only two ways to leave this earth. The grave or the rapture. So we had better learn tonight to heed the admonishment of Solomon. For in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Solomon writes, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Once we depart this terrestrial life, all our work will be done. 
The things we have left undone will remain undone. So if you are going to do anything for God, do it now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Oh, how many times have I, have I spoken with people who said, I just wish I had a little more time. I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that. Well, when it comes to the things that we know to do for the Lord, don't put them off. Do them today, because you may not have it tomorrow. So we, we see what it is to be a servant. We see where to serve. We see when to serve. Now, number four tonight, I'd like for us to look at why must I serve? Why is it so important to serve? Why did, why did I take two, two Wednesday nights to, to teach this lesson? What's so great about serving? Why must I serve? The nature of man is exactly opposed to the nature of God, is it not? So by nature of his natural accord, man will always do the exact opposite that he should do when it comes to spiritual things. Therefore, the things that come to us naturally are not the things that God would have us do. And I think that the most compelling reason to serve is because I was made to serve. I was created to serve, not to be served. God did not make me to be served. He did not make you to be served. He made us to be servants. Now, how do I know this? Well, I know this for a a couple of reasons, and I'll share some with you. First, because Jesus taught me to serve. Jesus taught me to serve. John chapter 13, verses 13 through 15, we read... Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, my daddy always taught me, he taught me a philosophy, and, and I was raised to believe this. And, and I believe I put these, this statement on your answer sheet, on your study sheet, I'm not sure. But uh, the statement is this. It is easier to get people to work with me than it is to get people to work for me. My dad never used to, he didn't come up to me and say, son, go over there and do that. And then sit down with a cold glass of iced tea and drink it. He could have. But that's not the way my dad was. My dad used to say, son, come with me, let's go get this done. And he, used to, he taught me that the best way to lead is to lead by example. Don't tell people what to do. Show them how to do it. Do it with them. You know, I, I, I'm, I've, I've been amazed over the years of how many people would let me take their children on a Sunday school bus and drive them. And, and that's not such a big deal here in California. Cause, uh, but, but back in Louisiana, I had bus routes that were 45 miles from church. 45, one way, not round trip, one way. And I used to go on Saturdays, and I'd walk up to these people's house, a complete stranger, knock on their door, and say, hey, I'd like to take your child with me to Sunday school tomorrow. Sure. Got four of them. You want them all? Wow. 
You see, they'll do anything to see their children taught about God as long as they don't have to get involved. To the point of letting a complete stranger take their kids on a Sunday school on a bus and leave town with them. But that's not the way we do it. We shouldn't shouldn't send our kids to church. We should take them to church. We shouldn't tell them to sit down in the church service and listen. We should make them sit down with us and make them listen. And don't bring coloring books and crossword puzzles and and paint-by-number sets and everything else to hopefully occupy their time during church so they won't make a, a scene. Set them down say, listen, shut up. Do what you're told. I was sitting in church one time when I was a boy. I was, I was chewing some gum. And when we got to church, my dad said, spit that gum out. This might be why I'm so opposed to gum today. I don't know why. But we got to church. He said, spit that gum out. I didn't spit it out. So I was sitting in church chewing away, and I always had to sit right between him and mom. And I blew a big old bubble, and it popped. My dad instinctively just went, wow, right across. Pow. That gum went right down my throat. Last time I ever chewed gum in church. Might be the last time I ever chewed gum, I'm not sure. Listen. Hey, go out visiting with people. Get people to go with you. Help get them to do things with you. It's easier to get people to work with you than it is to get them to work for you. I must serve tonight because I am not greater than my master. And my master, Jesus, came as a servant to demonstrate to me how... I should live my, my life, and that is as a servant of the Lord. So I must serve because Jesus taught me to serve. Then I must serve because you need me to serve. I must serve because you need me to serve. And I need you to serve. We need each other. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8 Paul writes, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found as a fashion, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say God did not design you to serve yourself or to ensure that you are served. God designed us to serve others. And this is how we find true happiness. In John chapter 13, Jesus writes, uh, states in verses 16 through 17, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So we're not greater than the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord uh, came as a servant, so we're to be a servant. Now look what he says in verse 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. There is no greater joy than to know you have done something to help someone else. You ever do that? Do you ever just unselfishly do something for someone? And you walk away and you see, you see the joy in their face and, and you see how wonderful they feel now that someone's done something for them. Isn't that a good feeling? 
Doesn't that make you feel good and happy? Well, that's because that's what God created you to do. He created you to serve others. And when you think about it, this is the best way to live. It's the you watch my back and I'll watch yours philosophy. While you're busy looking to the needs of others, they are busy looking to your needs. This is the way God designed it. And this is the only way it will work. It's the only way we'll find peace and happiness. It's the only way we'll live in harmony. It's the only way we'll influence and affect our world for Christ. Is when we learn to serve one another. If I go against God's plans, I will meet with failure. So stop worrying about yourself. And start looking to the needs of everyone around you. And start serving others And just watch how fast God starts sending others to help you as well. Now this brings me to my last thought tonight. And that is this. How should I serve? We've defined what it is to be a servant. We've looked at where we're to serve. We looked at when we're to serve. We've looked at why we should serve. And lastly tonight, I want us to look at how should I serve. Well, I have just three thoughts, and we'll be done. First, we should serve heartily. We should serve heartily. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. Not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. This applies to everything we do, by the way. Uh... On the job as employees, we're to, we're to labor heartily as if we were laboring unto the Lord. In the classroom, students, you're to, you're to work and labor at your studies heartily with all your heart as if you're doing it unto the Lord because you are. In the home, parents, you're to raise your children heartily as if you were doing it for the Lord because you are. In your ministry, Christian, here at the church, you're to serve the Lord heartily. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. If your job here is to blow leaves in the parking lot, there shouldn't be a leaf in that parking lot. And when you see one, you should get angry and go out there and say, Leaf, what are you doing here? I blew you out of here yesterday. I'll blow you out of here again today. You say, oh, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. Because everything we do, We're to do it with all of our might. That's what Solomon said. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it as doing it unto the Lord himself. So we're to serve heartily. Ephesians 6, 7 tells us, with good, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And then how are we to serve? Secondly, we're to serve cheerfully. We're to serve cheerfully. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, 
and his truth endureth to all generations. Hey, you know what? Be and look happy in your service to the Lord. You know, too often we just, we just not, we serve. You know, sometimes we are slaves. You know that? Sometimes we are slaves. Oh, I teach that Sunday school class. Kids, they're noisy, they're stinky. They're always, they're always breaking things. I'm going to teach it, Lord. I'm going to teach it for you. Oh, gee, don't do me any favors, okay? It's kind of like, I remember, I used to go to bus conferences, you know, and these, these guys would stand up there, praise, brother, come here, praise the Lord. This brother gets up at 5 a.m., rain, slow, snow, sleet, doesn't matter. His buses won't start half the time. He's got grease up to his elbows. Gets, he's got to run out there in the rain and get those kids, and he's got to do all these things, and then, and then he's got he's to take them home, and, and, and it's hot, and he's tired, and he gets home. He just has time, grab a bike and get dressed and come back to church. Bless you, brother. We're so glad you do all that. How many of you would like to join the bus ministry right now? No, thank you. Man, I don't want to get involved in that. You kidding me? That sounds like, that sounds like prison camp. You know, we're to be happy and joyous in our service for the Lord. Serve him cheerfully. I don't have to come to church tonight. I, I got to come to church tonight. I don't have to be in church on Sunday. I get to go to church on Sunday. I don't have to lead the singing. I get to lead the singing on Sunday. Be happy in your service to the Lord. Be an encouragement to others around you. Serve him cheerfully. I mean, the Lord wants you to be happy in your service to him. Be cheerful in all that we do. Remember, it's a privilege to serve the Lord, not a bother. Serve the Lord heartily. Serve him cheerfully. And then lastly, serve him faithfully. Serve him faithfully. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I have heard that the greatest ability is dependability. And I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Listen, be faithful. Hey, choir members, you know, I praise the Lord for Brother Gary. Sometimes Brother Gary's up here and there's two of us. And he gets practice going. You know, if Brother Moline tells us that practice starts at 9.25 on Sunday morning, we ought to get here at 9.10, not 9.29. Who do we think we are? You know what? That is the, that is the biggest show of disrespect you can ever do, is to show up late for something. Because you know what you're telling people? I'm more important than you, and you're wasting my time. Be early. William Shakespeare once wrote, I'd rather be 30 minutes early than one second late. Being late, by the way, is a sign of weak character. I got, I got some people mad last Wednesday night. Those of you who came back, I'll just get you mad tonight, amen? <laughs> Listen, be faithful in your service to the Lord. There's nothing, there is nothing more important on Sundays than church. Nothing. 
Nothing more important than praising and worshiping God and the preaching of his word. There is nothing more important than that. So if you have a part of it, be faithful to it. You work in the nursery, ladies, show up early. Make sure, that, make sure you've got that nursery open and you've got everything ready to go so you can cheerfully receive those babies when their parents bring them in. Parents shouldn't arrive, uh, parents shouldn't show up for church and sometimes we have visitors show up and there's nobody in the nursery. And they're, they're, they're walking around with their babies and we missed the golden opportunity of rushing them in there. Be on time. Be faithful. Be faithful. Learn to do what you do because it's right to do. There, now, there may be many things that you cannot do tonight. Maybe you can't preach. You'd say, boy, I sure know you can't preach, Brother Absher. Maybe you can't teach. Maybe you can't play an instrument. You wouldn't want to hear me sit at that instrument. I'll tell you right now. Every now and then I might hit a, a, a discernible note. But you wouldn't want me playing chords on that piano. Maybe, not everyone can sing. But you know, there is one thing every one of us can do. Regardless of what talents we have, all of us, every one of us can be faithful. We can all be faithful. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that my brothers and sisters in Christ can depend on. I would hate to be an undependable person. Solomon even writes about it in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 19. He writes, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Be faithful to your church. Be in your place on Sunday. Tithe and offer to the ministries of your church. Use your talents for the Lord and be faithful. Often, Pastor and I will come around that corner and he'll look out and say, wow, where is everybody? You know what he ought to do? Because if we truly valued the opportunity that we have to be a part of the worship of God as we should, we would be here before the first note is played. And when our pastor walks around the corner, we'd have a big smile on our face and greet him with a happy smile. I tell you what, now, if we do that, though, he might preach an extra 20 minutes every service, so we might ought to think about this a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We ought to be faithful. We ought to be faithful people. I, I, just, I just, I think that we've, as, as, as a nation, I think we failed to teach and instill this in our younger generation. I've said it before. We're going to have to change our work day from 11 to 7 to accommodate this young generation because they'll never make it in for 9 to 5. We need to be faithful people. We need to be servants of the Lord. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant today. Listen, folks, it's time right now to serve. This is the place to serve. We serve because we were created to serve, and Jesus was our example in service. We serve, with, we serve heartily, we serve cheerfully, and we serve faithfully. 
And this is what we should do if we want to be called servants of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time together. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make us servants. Make us faithful, cheerful, hearty servants unto you. Use this church to glorify the Lord. Use us as servants to do all the will of the Lord in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.